Hello and welcome to episode number 144 of The Draft Analyst, presented by the Belief Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? This is Chris Tricotti, and I'm joined by Tony Pauline, as always. And on today's episode, we'll continue our 2021 NFL Draft previews with the first half of the ACC, which means Boston College, Miami, and everybody in between. Tony, what's going on? Not much, and it's you know a bit ironic. Last uh, podcast we did the bottom half of uh, the Big Ten, and we had the uh, the crown jewel of the Big Ten as far as draft picks are concerned, or, or draft prospects are concerned in Ohio State. And this first half of the ACC, we'll have the crown jewel of that conference in Clemson. Absolutely, and the ACC. Just a quick overview of what they were able to do this past April in the draft. Conference had twenty seven draft picks. Also had 27 in 2019, so the same amount, back-to-back years. Only two teams, though, had more than two players selected. And as Tony kind of alluded to before, we're going to discuss both of those teams on today's show. Three total first-rounders in the conference, Louisville's Mackay Becton, and two players from Clemson, Isaiah Simmons and A.J. Terrell on the defensive side of the ball. So, Tony, as I mentioned, two straight years of 27 draft picks. You're going over or under that number for 2021. Obviously, a lot depends on uh, which underclassmen enter the draft, as it usually does. I think it took a bit of a hit when Justin Ross went down. We'll talk about him. I'm going to say over, though. All right. And we will move on over here to Boston College, the first team alphabetically in the ACC. And the Eagles had one player selected in the 2020 draft, and that was running back A.J. Dillon to the Packers in round two. They could end up with just one selection in 2021 as well. The only draftable senior on the roster is guard Zion Johnson, mid-rounder in the eyes of scouts. He's a good athlete who flashes strength and power as well, but his fundamentals and technique could use a little bit of work. And hey, they might even improve with a new head coach, a new offensive line coach, and, and pretty much an entire new coaching staff with Steve Adazio on the way out. The top underclassman of note for BC, another offensive lineman, and he's one with a familiar last name. That's junior center Alec Lindstrom, the younger brother of Chris Lindstrom, the Falcons' 2019 first-round pick. Like Johnson, he's got good athletic ability, shows strength and toughness. He's a bit more polished, though, not surprising considering his bloodlines. And he's a guy who may not come out next year, but he does have the looks when he does come out of a potential day-two pick if he continues his development. What are your thoughts here on these two offensive linemen, Tony, and any other third-day prospects? Of well, well, as is usually the case, I, I mean, the Boston College Eagles are loaded with offensive linemen. Uh, you mentioned Alec, Alec Lindstrom, who I have graded right now as a fourth, fifth-round pick. Uh, they've got a, another kid, another uh, guy with great bloodlines, Tyler Vrabel, who was an offensive tackle for them, the son of Mike Vrabel, the head coach of the Tennessee Titans. I have him graded as a sixth-round pick. They have another offensive tackle by the name of Ben Petrula, who I've got graded as a priority free agent. Scouts believe that he could make a big move up boards. But on the offensive line, the name to remember is Zion Johnson, as you uh, as you previously spoke about. You know, he's graded anywhere I've seen from. I have him as a fifth rounder. I've seen him. I've seen him as early as the fourth round. Speaking with scouts, uh, a little bit later from other scouts. It depends on what film you watch with Zion Johnson, because as I said in my preview piece at Pro Football Network, if you watch the Notre Dame game, he looked dominant. I mean, he was explosive at the point of attack. He's athletic. He moves incredibly well on his feet, shows the ability to adjust. He's very agile. The problem is the Notre Dame game was a bit of uh, the exception to the rule because too many times Zion Johnson is falling over his feet. He lacks balance. He kind of looks like he's lost in space. He's a good player. He's got a good amount of upside. But again, 
Uh, he's just got to consistently play at a high level. Brandon Sebastian is a guy who's kind of disappointed me. I watched him as a redshirt freshman. I thought he had a lot of skill. I like his ball skills. This game just never pr- progressed. He's got good size. He's got decent speed. He's got a physical nature to his game. But really, his game has leveled off since his redshirt freshman season of 2017. Right now, he's a late-round pick. I think he has all the makings of a middle-round choice if he elevates his game. Now, the crown jewel of the ACC from a draft perspective, as we were discussing earlier, is the Clemson Tigers. Seven players selected in April, the most for Clemson since 2016. I mentioned Simmons and Terrell in round one. Wide receiver T. Higgins and safety linebacker Tanner Muse were also second-day picks. Higgins went with a first pick in round two. And really for Clemson, it's going to be more of the same this year heading into 2021. Junior quarterback Trevor Lawrence is almost a lock to go number one overall, even this early in the process. Now, obviously, you could have said the same for Tua Tagovailoa last year, but as long as Lawrence stays healthy, unlike Tua this past season, he should end up at the top. He's got the height that everyone loves in a quarterback. Thin frame, but wouldn't really call him small. Probably goes about 220 pounds. Has the arm to make all the throws. Just 12 interceptions against 66 touchdown passes the past two seasons. And a little bonus, he can run a little too, which is an absolute necessity in NFL quarterbacks these days. He's already shown a propensity for coming through in big moments, and he did that two years ago as well as last year. Unfortunately, though, as another thing Tony alluded to earlier in the podcast, he's not going to have his top returning target to throw to, and that's Justin Ross who has congenital fusion in his spine in layman's terms, just was born with a spinal issue, was actually found via an x-ray after he suffered a stinger in spring practice. He's played through it his entire life, but they did decide to get that taken care of so that there was no future risk for him. He's likely going to get a medical redshirt and return as a fourth-year junior in 2021, like his former teammate Higgins. Nice size, doesn't have blazing speed, but just enough to get downfield. Here's hoping for a healthy return next season. But Lawrence still does have junior running back Travis Etienne, who surprisingly returned for his senior season. A big playback with feature back size and developing receiving skills. Kind of like Jonathan Taylor this past year in that he's not the most natural receiver, but he's good enough to take short dump-offs to the house. He has that kind of explosive ability. Those are the players for Clemson that have grades in the top two rounds. Obviously, Ross won't be seen in next year's draft, but there are a host of other Tigers with solid grades as well. Yeah, we could talk about Clemson really, really for the, for the entire show. We could do uh, a half hour on them. You know, Trevor Lawrence, uh, sometimes it's a jinx to be, uh, you know, predicted as the first pick of the draft so far in advance of the draft. You know, you mentioned Tua Tagovailoa. A year before that, everyone thought that Sam Darnold was going to be the first pick of the draft. He ended up as the third pick of the draft. I mean, I remember when going back to the days when everyone thought that Peter Warwick was a lock to be the first pick of the draft. He also ended up as, I believe, the third pick of the draft. Trevor Lawrence is the complete physical package. He's also got a great head on his shoulders. I don't think he's Andrew Luck. I don't think he's Peyton Manning, but he's very close. I think he's got better physical skills than Peyton Manning. He's definitely got a stronger arm. I think he's an accurate quarterback. What I liked about those guys over uh, Trevor Lawrence is their pinpoint accuracy. I, I mean, those were guys who would consistently place passes where only their targets could catch the ball. I don't see Lawrence do that. Uh, Lawrence do that on such a consistent basis. But still, I, I mean, right now he's the odds-on favor to be the top pick of the draft, and with good reason. He's also a smart quarterback. He's a tough quarterback. He protects the ball. He's a patient quarterback who, while he can run and pick up big yardage with his legs. He only does so 
undesigned running plays or when completely necessary. I, I mean, listen, this is a guy who was anointed as the, the you know, the, the next big time quarterback when he was a freshman. He took uh, hold of the job. Kelly Bryant, if you remember, uh, had to, basically left the team, played at Missouri last year. A lot to like about Trevor Lawrence's game. Travis Etienne, I also have him graded much higher than a lot of other people. Some had said he's a third-round pick. I have him as a second-rounder. I caused a stir when I said he doesn't have the game-breaking speed. Listen, scouts I've talked to also estimate him as a 4-5 or five guy. Doesn't mean he's not a good player. Doesn't mean that I don't like him. But he, but, but I, I think he's a bigger interior back who's got tremendous short area quickness, shows the, the ability to create yardage. Uh, one player that gets a, a variety of uh, opinions in the scouting community is Amari Rogers, the receiver. I have him presently graded as a fifth rounder. I've seen him graded as early as a fourth rounder, speaking with scouts. And there are some area scouts who think he's a priority free agent. He's a smaller guy, about five foot nine, 200 pounds. He's got terrific speed. I think he's going to be a very good slot receiver, a return specialist at the next level. Two defensive players, actually three defensive players to keep an eye on. Darion Kendrick, the uh, third-year junior, I think is going to be the next big-time cornerback to come out of Clemson. I have him graded as a third-rounder. I could see him progressing into the top 45 if he develops his game. I'm a big fan of Jordan Williams, the interior defensive tackle. I think he's a guy who will really take a lot on his shoulders this year. He's someone that goes 6'3", 310 pounds, and he's very athletic as well as explosive. James Skolski, the uh, linebacker, is a guy who's just a lot of fun to watch on film. He's all over the place. He's instinctive. He plays with a warrior-type mentality. He's constantly around the football. Doesn't have the great size speed numbers. Doesn't have the great measurables. But if you're looking for an instinctive linebacker who just knows how to consistently make positive plays on the ball – whether it's blitzing the quarterback, whether it's in coverage or whether it's in against the run, and you're able to kind of push aside maybe the lack of pure athleticism and speed, Sklasky's your guy. Now moving on here to the Duke Blue Devils. Nobody selected in April and only one draft pick over the past five years since having two selections in 2015. That one was, of course, much valued quarterback Daniel Jones to the Giants in the first round in 2019. This year, though, the Blue Devils could have two draft picks. It would just be the second time since 1996 that they've placed more than one player in the draft. So here's to seeing senior tight end Noah Gray, stereotypical move tight end type of guy. Only had 392 yards on 51 catches last year, though. But with Jones at the helm in 2018, did average almost 12 yards per catch. So we could see a bounce back in terms of his ability to get downfield and move the chains. Running back Deion Johnson, kind of like Gray, had a poor 2019 campaign. It's just 641 yards rushing, under four yards a carry after he was over five yards a carry and over 800 yards in 2018 with Daniel Jones. But he's got good size. He's a capable receiver out of the backfield. And if he can get back to 2019's level of play, could also end up drafted on day three. Richard sophomore linebacker Shaka Hayward could actually be the highest draft pick of the 2020 Blue Devils whenever he declares for the draft. He's a physical player, good in pursuit, works well downhill, 68 tackles, six and a half of them for loss, and three and a half sacks as a redshirt freshman. So the future is definitely bright for Hayward. Tony, got to ask you, is this the best crop of Duke prospects from a total numbers perspective, not, you know, first round quality, anything like that, that you've seen in recent years? 
Yeah, I, I think you could make that argument. I, I mean, some of the guys, the later round guys that you didn't mention, Josh Blackwell, an underclassman corner who I think has a high upside. Jack Wallabaugh, the center, who is a late round pick. Got to keep an eye on uh, Brandon Hill. There are a lot of scouts that like Michael Carter, uh, the senior corner. I have him graded as a priority free agent. I know that there are some in the scouting community who think he's a late round pick. You know, start off with Noah Gray, the tight end that you mentioned. Some scouts I've, I've talked to believe that he is one of the top two or three senior tight ends in the nation. When I watched him on film, he was good, but there was nothing that really excited me about his game. Solid pass catcher, solid speed, solid athleticism, someone who easily moved about the field, but just no one who excited me, which is why I gave him a fourth round grade. There are some, uh, some scouts, I should say, who believe he's a top 75 pick. Now, fourth round, there's not a big difference between the fourth round and the top 75. A lot of that will depend on how Gray plays in the upcoming season and, more importantly, how he times because he's a taller, thinner guy, looks almost like a possession receiver uh, playing the tight end position. He's got good pass-catching skills. It'll come down to his athleticism. I really like Shaka Hayward. I gave him a fourth-round grade. I think, as you said, he's someone who could move up draft boards. You talked about the tackles for loss. You talked about the sacks. He's very athletic, and I think he's the type of guy that can develop a three-down game. You can effectively use him in space, get him to drop off the line of scrimmage and pass coverage, and, and really develop into a complete linebacker. Only a third-year sophomore. As I said, I got him as a fourth-rounder right now. I like to leave a bit of cushion because I expect and I want to see development in the uh, in their game. One last guy, Josh Blackwell, the corner, uh, another junior underclassman, a little bit of a smaller guy, more of a nickel dime back, but really good ball skills. Now, taking a look at the Florida State Seminoles, just one player drafted in April. The last time that happened for Florida State was 2009 when defensive end Everett Brown was their only selection in the second round. That's kind of the same as Cam Akers this past year in the 2020 draft, but assuming a couple underclassmen do end up making the leap to the NFL, that shouldn't happen again with just one pick. There are several potential day two picks on defense for the Seminoles. Senior defensive tackle Marvin Wilson has great size to plug the gaps, 86 tackles and eight and a half sacks the past two seasons as well. So he's been able to produce on the field outside of just plugging gaps. Junior defensive tackle Corey Durden also has night size, a bit more explosive than Wilson. And as a result, rates higher as a prospect right now. Junior defensive end Joshua Kando, he's got guy who's got to return strong after a season-ending ankle injury last year, only played a couple games, but another defensive lineman with good size, flashed as a part-timer as both a sophomore and a freshman. And moving away from the defensive line to the guy who's possibly FSU's top prospect, and that's junior quarterback Asante Samuel Jr. Short but physical, sticky in coverage, ranked top 10 in the FBS this past season with 14 pass breakups. If any of these guys leave early, along with a couple others, FSU's 2021 draft could look a lot more like 2018 when they had six draft picks compared to last year. Yeah, you know, Florida State, I believe under Mike Norvell, is on their way to good things. They've got a lot of talent, and really, especially defensively, if Norvell can work some of the offensive wonders for the Seminoles offense that he did at Memphis, I think – Florida State could be one of the surprise teams in the ACC and be one of the surprise programs in next April's draft. Asante Samuel, not the tallest guy in the world. I have him graded as a third rounder right now, but he's fast. He's feisty. He's got solid ball skills. 
He gives it up defending the run. I would like to see him develop his game and do a better job making plays with his back to the ball. But he's all over the place, consistently uh, making a lot of plus plays and really not getting beat. I like Corey Durden a lot. I have him graded higher than scouts. Scouts I've spoken with who grade underclassmen have given Durden a fifth round grade. I gave him a third round grade. He's got excellent size at six foot four, 310 pounds. He's got growth potential. He's explosive and he's athletic. It's just a matter of him developing his game and getting a little bit stronger. You mentioned Marvin Wilson. Marvin Wilson's very consistent. I mean, he's a guy who comes across as a defensive lineman who basically occupies the gaps, but then you see him make plays on occasion. I think he's going to be very good in, in a four-man line on the inside. I think he's got the quickness and the ability to play with leverage to be used as a three-technique tackle, as an under-tackle. I think you can leave him on the field as a pass rusher on passing downs. Uh, solid. Not a great prospect, but a very solid uh, defensive lineman who's got starting potential. I like Amari Gaynor. I have him graded as a third rounder. I think he's an outstanding pursuit linebacker, has more safety size, but he's all over the place making plays. He, he fires up the field uh, on the blitz, constantly in the, behind the line of scrimmage, harassing quarterbacks, shows great range and pursuit, shows the ability to get depth on pass drops, really like his game a lot. I think he's being understated, but only a third-year a a third sophomore. So he's got some room for development to complete his game and to physically mature. Josh Kandu could be the sleeper of the entire bunch. He's the, he's the guy that if he reverts back to where he was in 2018, although he did play a little bit last year, if he, if he improves from where he was in 2018, he could make a big march up draft boards. He's got excellent length at six foot six, goes about 255, 260 pounds. Someone that's going to uh, plays in the four sevens, a high upside. It's just a matter of uh, getting back to where he was. A couple of the guys that we got to mention, Tamari and Terry, uh, the bigger possession receiver, or he's a taller possession receiver. I don't know. He's a big bodied guy. I have him graded as a fourth rounder. Uh, I, I've seen scouts go anywhere from uh, late fifth with him, who oh, grade the underclassmen. They've got a, a terrific safety in Hazma Nizreel Dean, more of a strong safety type, six two and a half, two 214 pounds. Very good football player, but not anyone who's going to test off the charts. I have him graded as a fifth rounder. The scouts I spoke with have him as early as a second rounder, and then some have him as a sixth rounder. I like his game, but I think he's a little bit limited. I think he's more of a downhill safety that's best against the run, that doesn't show great range, and has got some limitations. More of your traditional strong safety. Maybe even somebody at 6'2 214 pounds that could grow into a run-and-chase type linebacker. Now, from a program that looks likely to bounce back from just having one draft pick this past season, as you can tell by all the players Tony was able to rattle off there, to another program that might not even have one player drafted like they did back in April, and that's the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. They did snap a two-year draft drop when tight end Tyler Davis went in the sixth round to the Jacksonville Jaguars. But again, could start a new one this year because there are no draftable seniors on the roster right now. Juniors Trey Swilling and Zach Quinney do come with draftable grades. However, Swilling is a guy with good size and ball skills at cornerback. Looked like a potential high draft pick before last season, as we discussed at this time last year on the show. But his stock has really fallen quite a bit after an inconsistent campaign. It's going to have to bounce back if he wants to be anything other than a third-day prospect. Quinney is a left tackle with movement skills. Could eventually lead him to move inside to guard down the line. There are a lot of guys like that. But, Tony, I know for now, 
you still see him as a potential NFL left tackle, right? Yeah, he's got he's got nice length. I think he's got to get a little bit stronger. Very fluid, good footwork. Uh, but again, he's got to add bulk to his game. He's got to add strength to his game. Or, as you said, I, I mean, he could be pushed inside to uh, and used as his own blocking guard. You know, Trey Swilling is a lot like Brandon Sebastian in the sense that Trey Swilling looked like a terrific dominant cornerback as a redshirt freshman at Georgia Tech. And then his game has since leveled off. I've really seen little pro- uh, progress or development in his game. He's got flashes. I think deep speed is a concern. Obviously, he's got good bloodlines. And at the top of his game, it displays himself to be a, you know, a solid starting cornerback. I just want to see him take his game to the next level, which I haven't seen since he was a redshirt freshman, even though I expected it. Now, Louisville has had just one pick over the past two drafts, but it was a first-rounder back in April. And that's new Jets offensive tackle, Makai Becton. In fact, four of the last eight draft picks from the Cardinals have been in round one. It is unlikely that they're going to have another, though, in 2021. But Louisville does have an explosive offense, and that's in large part due to some potential second-day picks in junior wide receiver Shatarius Atwell and redshirt sophomore running back J.B. Hawkins. Atwell followed up what was a pretty solid freshman campaign with 70 catches, 1,276 yards, and 12 TDs in 2019. Now, he's extremely small. Tony probably has the official measurements on hand, but Atwell is a playmaker with the ball in his hands and really a game-breaker who can get behind the defense despite his lack of size. Hawkins, like Atwell, also small and also had a big 2019 season, over 1,500 yards and nine rushing touchdowns. He's got great burst with the ability to break long runs. But the top senior on Louisville's draft board, looking away from the underclassmen here, is wide receiver Des Fitzpatrick. Most expected him to take over as the top target in the passing game with Jalen Smith gone last season. But obviously, Atwell's breakout really derailed any hopes there for a similar breakout from Des Fitzpatrick. But he still had 35 catches for 635 yards and six touchdowns. Not quite the numbers he posted with Lamar Jackson in 2017, but it's not every year you get to play with a future NFL MVP at Louisville. Fitzpatrick does have the size that Atwell lacks, and that should really help him maintain a big role on this offense, and it'll help him possibly make an appearance on the third day of next April's draft as well. Fitzpatrick's a very solid receiver. He's just not the game breaker. And when you have a guy like Atwell there who's breaking plays and can score from any point on the field, and you have a running back like Hawkins who can do much the same, you kind of get overlooked, but he's very good. He's a terrific pass catcher. He's a good football player. If he runs well, well being in the low four fives, I absolutely think Fitzpatrick has got late round potential. And he's a guy who can make an NFL roster as a fifth receiver, you know, getting back to Atwell, he's not going to be a player for everyone because of the size and the growth limitations goes about five, nine, 170 pounds, but he's got that game breaking speed. And he's a game breaker, not only as a receiver, but as a return specialist and someone who can run reverses. A little bit of inconsistency in his game, catching the ball. He will drop some easy passes on occasion. Uh, but his but his ability to break it wide open, his ability as a legitimate deep threat is very exciting. I have him graded as a second-round choice. Scouts I've spoken with who will grade underclassmen think he's more mid-third round. Mid-third round. The bottom line is this is, He's a type of player that's not going to be for every team, but if coached correctly and used correctly, a la what Andy Reid does with the similar type of players with the Kansas City Chiefs, 
Cherries did Chatteris Atwell is going to be lethal at the next level. I like J, uh, Javian Hawkins, the running back. Uh, like you said, a little bit small, but he runs hard on the inside. He's a terrific ball carrier in space. They've got another running back in Hassan Hall, who I've got graded as a six-rounder. Slightly bigger, but fast. and gives a lot of effort. Keep an eye on Rush Yeast, uh, their safety. I have him graded as a seventh-rounder. He's got decent size. Not the, the greatest speed in the world, but he's someone with solid ball skills between the numbers who also gives a lot of effort against the run. Now, the final team on today's show is the Miami Hurricanes, the only ACC program besides Clemson, which had more than two draft picks. This past April, all of those picks came on day three. In fact, no first-rounders from the U since tight end David Njoku back in 2017. But that's a streak that seems pretty likely to end next April with defensive end Gregory Rousseau led the ACC in 2019 with 19 and a half tackles for loss and 15 and a half sacks as a redshirt freshman. He's a great athlete with the versatility to be used in multiple schemes, obviously was able to produce immediately once given the chance at the college level. And just like that, he could quickly jump to the NFL when he first has the opportunity as well. A junior tight end, Brevin Jordan, like Rousseau, is a guy who put himself on the radar as a freshman with 32 catches, 287 yards and four touchdowns. In 2018, he stepped that up last year, almost 500 yards receiving, and he might be the top target for new quarterback. The Eric King transferred from Houston with K.J. Osborne and Jeff Thomas now in the NFL. Beyond those two studs, several potential day three picks as well at Miami. Tony, break down the Hurricanes for us. Yeah, well, break down the Hurricanes. I mean, they're, they're a program that underachieves. They're a team that lost uh, to a Florida international during the regular season. As we spoke with uh, James Morgan about at at length, when we interviewed him before the uh, draft and they were a team that got shut out in, in the bowl game against Louisiana tech. So they seem to be a program, you know, heading in the wrong direction. And unlike interstate rival Florida state uh, who the hurricanes detest, uh, who I think is going in the right direction. I just don't see a lot of improvement coming from the from the Hurricanes this year. You mentioned Rousseau. He's an explosive pass rusher. He's an explosive athlete. You can have him come out of a three-point stance. You can stand him over tackle. He's got growth potential. He's got to get a little bit bigger and a little bit stronger, but he's still a young guy as a third-year sophomore. I think he is universally uh, graded as a first-round pick, even from scouts who've gone out of their way to grade this guy. Because the word is, Rousseau will enter the draft after this season. That's the word on the street this early in the process. So barring any major injury or, or, or something uh, drastic that happens, you could expect, you should expect Gregory Rousseau in the 2021 draft. Riven Jordan is basically the next in a long line of what are pass-catching specialists at the tight end position to come out of the Miami Hurricane program. I have him great as a third-round pick. He's a terrific athlete, someone who I think at the tight end position is going to run in the low four sixes if he doesn't get under four six when he enters the draft. He's outstanding in motion, gives effort blocking, but that's not his primary duty. Uh, he's going to have to get a little bit stronger in that area, but still someone you want to put in motion before the snap of the ball, send him up the field, and he will get down the field and make a lot of big receptions. It's basically underclassman heavy with the uh, Miami Hurricanes. I like Gervin Hall. The, uh, the uh, third-year junior safety, a guy who he's got a little bit of Ed Reed in his game. And I know that everyone's going to take that, that he is Ed Reed. I'm not saying that. 
but he's a vicious run defender who's got solid ball skills, who is consistently making positive plays on the ball. Al Blades Jr., obviously the bloodlines are there, a terrific corner with good size and good speed. Uh, needs to step up his ball skills a little bit, but he shows a lot of flashes. A couple of guys uh, to keep an eye on. Quincy Roach, the former defensive lineman from uh, Temple, who transferred to uh, Miami this year. Uh, expect big things out of him. He is a terrific uh, a terrific defensive lineman. I think Miami will set him loose this year. Zach McLeod, the inside linebacker, or I should say linebacker, I don't know whether he's going to be inside or outside, returning after uh, missing most of last year with injury. Last year, he was great as a potential late-round pick. I think he's more of a free agent type, but somebody to keep an eye on. And that's it for the 144th episode of The Draft Analyst, presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe on any of the major podcast platforms and leave us a rating and a review. And feel free to ask us questions on Twitter, and we'd be happy to answer on the show. We'll be back next week to break down the rest of the ACC. And in the meantime, on behalf of Tony Collian, I'm Chris Tripodi. Everybody stay safe and enjoy the July 4th weekend.